It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Spies at the NSA did it, and now it looks like a private cyber spy did it too. What is it, you might ask? Using espionage-level spy tools meant for hacking, infiltrating, and exfiltrating data from state-level targets on a romantic interest. And now, an employee from an infamous surveillance company was caught doing the exact same. According to the latest Joseph Cox scoop, a former employee of NSO Group, yes, the surveillance firm out of Israel whose hacking technology was reportedly used on the phones of associates of murder journalist Jamal Khashoggi, was caught using the company's hacking tool to target a love interest. While the controversial company did immediately fire the employee, it's yet another example of how powerful surveillance tools are still being used and abused by the very people entrusted with wielding them. Cox is on this week's show to discuss the story. So Joseph, the coronavirus pandemic continues, but so does the cybersecurity beat and all the things that you continuously find about companies and governments. And in this iteration, so it's back to an old friend, somebody who keeps showing up on the show, NSO Group. How do we, how do we know them? NSO Group, they've been well known in the security industry and sort of the offensive hacking industry for a long time. But they came you know, more forthrightly into public consciousness when they sold their hacking technology to Saudi Arabia. Um, NSO has this tool called Pegasus that can fully infect uh, up-to-date iPhones or Android devices. Sometimes that's with just clicking one link. Sometimes that's clicking no link at all. And they have provided this technology to dozens of different clients. The governments that use Pegasus from Saudi Arabia to Mexico to India all say they're out to stop security threats. But it's also used against civil society, including human rights activists. Um, The Saudi Arabia one comes up because Pegasus was allegedly used to infect the devices of people around uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the murdered murdered Washington Post journalist. So, of course, when that happened and that news came out, um, NSO really sort of shot up in the the non-tech press sort of headlines. But we're speaking about them again now because rather than a form of government surveillance abuse, we found that someone had used the tool for their own ends. Exactly. And this is, you know, this is kind of a nightmare situation when you think of these government level, powerful technological spyware tools that kind of fall into the hands of whoever's operating them at these, these high level companies like NSO Group and then use them. And in this case... Somebody who worked at NSO used it on somebody they wanted to date? Yeah, so just to lay out what exactly happened here, this was in 2016, and an NSO employee traveled to the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, to work on the client's system there. NSO employees will do this, and the same with other uh, hacking companies like FinFisher or Hacking Team, they will go to the client's location to troubleshoot it or improve the system or supply, uh, provide support or something like that. So this NSO employee went there uh, for work and then they actually broke into the UAE client's office during um, non-working hours uh, to use the Pegasus system. They logged in with someone's account credentials that weren't their own and then tried to use the system on this um, woman 
that he personally knew and had some form of relationship with. The UAE client received an alert that someone was using this Pegasus system. Um, they investigated and, of course, found this abuse and then informed NSO. But again, just to stress, this wasn't the UAE itself as a government, as an intelligence agency, abusing or even just using the Pegasus software. This was an insider. This was someone from NSO leveraging that access um, for their own ends. And that this is the first confirmed case that we have of this sort of abuse happening at NSO. So he was eventually caught then, like the company itself detected it. Well, the client detected it. The UAE agency that was um, had this had bought Pegasus detected it, and it seems they found out pretty quickly uh, when someone breaks into your office and then uses your government grade uh, spyware and seemingly doesn't really co- uh, cover their tracks. The the client found this guy pretty rapidly, and then after that, NSO fired this employee um, either on the plane or when when they got back um, immediately. So this was dealt with very swiftly. And to give credit to them, I mean, what else are you going to do apart from fire an employee that does this? But the abuse still happened. There was still that room for an NSO employee to gain access to, to the system and use it. Uh, and to, to give them credit, multiple sources did say that NSO has improved um, the security mechanisms after uh, that event, um, you know, maybe they have a polygraph, uh, which may have already been in place, but now you need to use some form of biometric check to make sure you're you're actually the authorized party to use this system. Um, so they do appear to have added some more mechanisms in place, but yeah, the abu- the abuse still happened, albeit a few years ago. It's pretty sloppy too. I mean, you'd like to think that some of the people who work for NSO, I mean, many of them, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, are known to be ex-intelligence employees, are they not? Yeah, there's ex-intel, I think ex-army, that sort of thing. Uh, And you're right, this was a particularly sloppy move, uh, especially because this employee, I mean, presumably understood there were some security protections in place, or if they weren't aware, I mean, that's also kind of eyebrow raising as well. But they must have thought they were going to get caught. Um, and what from I, from what I understand, the employee admitted it um, to NSO when they were um, confronted and they admitted what they did and they, they knew they had done something wrong. Um, but of course, NSO, NSO still has to fire this employee in the same way that you probably would if it happened in, you know, a government or another company as well. I, I, I don't know what I don't know what else NSO could have done here apart from firing the employee, of course. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they did get rid of this employee immediately. This is also not, I mean, it's strange to people like you and I who've been covering this for years. This isn't the first time that some sort of intelligence-related company or person, I mean, the NSA, for example. So it turns out that NSA analysts have been spying in on their loved ones, on their love interests, people that they want to hook up with, relationships and investigating people. Is anyone surprised by this? In the Snowden disclosures, it it was shown that some NSA employees spied on partners or ex-lovers using some of these mass surveillance tools that the government had at its disposal. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the inspector general offices uh, of the US did find, as you say, that NSA employees were abusing some of the capabilities they had access to. I think one was um, specifically looking at emails, the Wall Street Journal reported um, back at the time. And I mean, this NSO story was really interesting for me because 
me and uh, our colleague Lorenzo, we've also covered a lot about the so-called stalkerware industry, which is where you have this kind of low-level malware that abusive partners put on their phone. Um, you can't, you know, hack any up-to-date iPhone with that because it's very crude. But this NSO story is kind of a marriage of the, gov- the government-grade spyware and then just the abusive partners who spy on their spouses. It's a very um, unusual crossing uh, sort of of those two stories. And as you say, that happens in government. And then it, of course, also happens um, with anybody that has a capability, really, be that NSO, the NSA, or Silicon Valley as well, with Facebook and MySpace and uh, Snapchat are ones that we've previously reported. I think it just shows that behind all of those technologies, even though some of those are Silicon Valley, some of them are Israeli tech companies, others are US government departments, behind all of those systems, there are humans, right? And they have their biases, they have their potential for abuse, they have their drives, even if they are, they, even if they come from a particularly dark place and they can lead to something like this. It's still people. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's still people, but, you know, it was caught really quickly. So it makes you think that clearly there are ways to design these pieces of technology and how they're deployed, that it can be detected quickly if someone's trying to abuse them. Yeah, that's right. So one former NSO employee told me that, you know, sort of technically speaking, there wasn't really anything stopping them from hacking iPhones or from leveraging a customer system. But that's not the same, um, to be fair to NSO, that's not the same as, you know, someone being able to do it and not get caught. They, I mean, an NSO employee can go and use the system and they could try to hack a load of phones really, really quickly but it seems more likely than not, unless they're particularly sophisticated or senior or whatever, they're going to probably get caught. And that's what happens here. And that's what happens uh, in the tech companies as well. You have auditing. You can see if someone leaks something. You can see if somebody you know, requested access to a user account, say if they're an employee at Facebook, uh, that they don't need for their job. And you can, you can get alerts and that sort of thing. Or you can silo information. So, oh, maybe, I don't know, the customer support people at Facebook only have XYZ data, but then the security teams will have more because that's what they need to do. Um, and sort of finally, based on that, when we did that Facebook reporting, we found it was the security engineers, the ones who had the most privileged access and who were trusted the most, who did actually end up um, abusing it. But that's still probably going to be, you know, a, lo- a much lower number of abuses than if you just let anybody do what they want. So as you say, it is about not so much as completely wiping it out because that's going to be impossible, but definitely catching people when they do it and firing them when they do so. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing too is that to me, this story just shows this continuing thing where, you know, as we know, like the, the cyber surveillance industry has been booming in the last few years and you have all these players who've, who've entered the markets and, you know, you look at something like the banjo CEO was found to be a white supremacist of maybe one of the, the worst varieties, you know, and you have continual stories of abuses of surveillance technologies by companies like NSO. It's like, how many more of these disclosures of bad things are these multi-million dollar surveillance companies? How many more of these are going to are going to be coming in the next few years? Because, you know, I don't think the contracts are going to stop. 
No, and I think there's going to be a case of abuse at almost any tech company you can possibly think of, right? Which is not to say that the tech companies are doing a good or a bad job necessarily. It's just that, again, there are people who work there and there are people who um, are behind these systems. And it will continue. Uh, I'm sure more will come out. I mean, again, this case of abuse happened way back in 2016, which is almost ancient history when it comes to the cybersecurity um, space. But it's still the only confirmed case that we've heard of so far, but maybe not specifically with NSO, but more generally in the um, sort of hacking space. I'm sure there are other cases um, of abuse that we just haven't heard of yet because the people who know about them just don't want to chat yet or something like that. But I'm sure there are many more abuses out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joseph, stay safe, stay healthy. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. You too. Thank you so much. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How are you, Jason? I'm good. Uh, you just said record and I record on my end and then you proceeded to cough for 25 seconds straight. <laughs> so uh, how are you, more importantly? I'm, I'm alive and well. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have, I don't think I have anything. <laughs> it's a nice day outside though. It is. Yeah. Allergy season in full force. It is allergy season in full force. And I have to like go and Mad Max my way into a CVS to get more allergy medications at some point because it's always the it's always the friendliest trip to go to the drugstore during the plague. Yeah, I actually got my uh, my pharmacy switched from Walgreens to like just a random one around the corner because the line is out the door at Walgreens every single day. So I would uh, highly recommend switching Damn. your pharmacy if at all possible. It's a pro pro move. I will. I will do that. It's a good idea. Well, back to the cipher, chat and shit. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. That's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, waiting, so uh, waiting for you to tee it up, you know, as, <laughs> as you are wont to do. Well, I had a coughing fit, you know, it just happens. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is from Jordan Pier- Pearson, who's uh, the great Jordan Pearson, might I add. Yeah. Our Canadian boy. A man made the number one, two. Number one, two. Number two (laughs) box office hit in North America. And how did he do it? He spent $1,000. He did a a, a scam-ish. It definitely was a a trick 
a, it was a, a trick. Sneak, a sneaky thing. I don't think a, a sneaky scam. crypto he, trick. It's a it's a technicality if uh, mm-hmm. if you call it that. So obviously with coronavirus, everything is closed um, for the most Indeed. part. Movie theaters especially. And so every movie theater in the entire country, except for a single theater in Ocala, Florida, is closed. Um, And the one in Ocala, Florida is a drive-in that is open. But there are a few theaters that are doing uh, like virtual screenings, essentially. So it's like people can pay them and then you can stream the movie through them. And so this guy named Justin, just a man named Justin. Uh, <laughs> his name's Justin Ehrenhofer. Uh, and he is literally, quite literally, just like a guy. He's not in the movie business whatsoever. He saw that some movies were like the number one box office smash hit with like uh, take homes of $1,000 or like $1,500. Oh, and that's so, so good. Yeah, and so he designed a scheme to not only like get his art project movie into theaters and get it on the box office list, uh, but to create a movie for this express purpose. So it's not like he had something to show. He was like, oh shit, like I see uh, that I can have a top movie, I need, but I don't have a movie, so I need to make one. And so the thing that he did was he created a movie about cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency Monero, which is a privacy-focused cryptocurrency, And he basically got a guy to talk about Monero in front of a PowerPoint slide for 88 minutes and then got a (laughs) bunch of, yeah. And then he got a bunch of uh, these independent theaters to stream it online. And he ultimately sold like, let's see what the take was. Yeah, the film grossed $3,430 on its opening weekend, which was behind another movie called Phoenix, Oregon, which grossed 11,000. So he technically had the number two movie in America. Yeah, it's huh. called Phoenix, Oregon. I don't know what it is, but it's another movie. And I do like this because this is just basically like, this is a good extension of troll culture. During yeah, this. It's, it's actually the troll we all love and we all need. It's fantastic. It's like a harmless troll that is like ultimately a good story. And it's really funny because obviously like the t- top box office smash usually has, you know, uh, I don't know, 50 million, 100 million per weekend, yeah. like depending. And this is uh it was eight thousand or three thousand dollars so yeah good for justin no it's it's fantastic and it's like you know it it also lightly reminds us the depressing uh situation we're in that none of us can go to movie theaters but it also makes fun of it which i think is great yes yes okay so uh it's my favorite time of any time we're doing anything cyber related ufo baby ufos I love how everyone's getting on our level this week. Everyone is getting on our level this week. It's the big story. It's, I mean, besides coronavirus, besides the uh, society-altering plague that's <laughs> affecting the entire world, the other big story is the U.S. Navy finally officially released three UFO videos. And like, look, we knew about those videos. We've seen all the videos. And we've seen we knew all the that videos. They were, we knew they were, you know, Navy videos. We knew that they uh, they had been released. They're Tom DeLong's. I mean, they're not Tom DeLong's videos, but Tom they're DeLong pre- is the one who released them. pretty much Tom them. DeLong's. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is a big deal. So, so earlier this week, the U.S. Navy officially released the three videos that have renewed everyone's interest in UFOs. 
Uh, these videos are called FLIR, like F-L-I-R, Go Fast, and Gimbal. And they were all filmed by U.S. Navy pilots. Um, the most famous of them are, I believe, um, the FLIR video. The FLIR video is really famous and very interesting because this one was filmed off the uh, coast of California in 2004 on a ship called the USS Nimitz. Yep. And this one uh, is really famous because a lot of people saw it. Like a lot of people saw the video, but a lot of people on that Actually ship saw, saw the, the object. UFO. Yeah, they saw yeah, the yeah. object. And then the other thing is, uh, according to Tim McMillan, who is a motherboard reporter who has written for us, but wrote this article for Popular Mechanics, the Navy has a, like another version of this video that it hasn't released. So it has a higher a, definition a one. High, yeah, high definition one. And then MJ Benias, who's been on this podcast, another motherboard reporter, uh, also has like confirmation via a Freedom of Information Act request that there is there are other videos of this incident that the Navy has still not released. I thought there was also images, higher def images of the one, I think it's actually the scariest one where it's the pilots following what looks like an actual flying saucer. It looks literally like a flying saucer. Yeah, I mean, a couple of these videos look like that. And it, I think, so the really interesting thing is uh, U.S. former U.S. Senator Harry Reid of Nevada, who's the yeah. former Senate Majority Leader under during the Obama years, um, you know, was a senator for 30 years, tweeted, he retired in 2017, he tweeted on Monday night, that this is just like scratching the surface of what the Pentagon knows, what they've studied, um, and what uh, the U.S. government, the files that they have. What does Harry Reid know? Harry Reid does know a lot about this, actually, because he uh, was one of the leaders in Congress who uh, helped put in place the AA TIP program. So it's the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. That is sort of the basis for this whole new um, renaissance exactly of UFO that. research. Yeah, so he worked with uh, Robert Bigelow, who was a former, um, well, he is a billionaire. He's like a hotel magnate who also has a space company that's kind of doing very poorly right now uh, called Bigelow Aerospace that was making these like pods, these like space hotel pods that people could live in uh, off the... International Space Station, which is very interesting. In any case, he was the owner of Skinwalker Ranch for a long time, which we've talked about before. We have. And he sort of got this government contract to look into like these uh, alien alloys and all these weird The uh, alien metals. alloys ones. Yeah, the things that he, we've he, talked he's, about He was before. quoted, I think, too. He was quoted on it. Yeah, yeah. So um, he sort of, he and Harry Reid were kind of like the people who put together this program and then this guy named Luis Elizondo ran it, and he's the one who ultimately leaked the videos to the New York Times and to Tom DeLonge. And then once Tom DeLonge published these videos, he joined Tom DeLonge's uh, UFO organization and is sort of like, he's just a part of it now. So there's a lot going on here, but in any case, like Harry Reid says that there's more to know and says that the... Uh, Pentagon knows more and should release more. And he said, quote, the American people deserve to know. 
And I agree. I, I like, I, like, I want to know. I know the Canadian people deserve to know. <laughs> yeah. Everyone deserves to know. So humanity. Um, so, I mean, this is a huge step forward because for, I mean, years, it's like, we knew that these were UF, uh, U.S. Navy videos, but they had sort of been published in this like roundabout way where they were leaked to the press and then they were published. And then the Navy would like admit that it had a program, but then later on it said it didn't have this program or like it did have a program, but it wasn't specifically about UFOs. And now we know because they've actually published these videos on their own website. Like you can just go download the dot wow or the, I think they're WMP, like some weird yeah. windows based uh, video format. I had trouble actually opening them. Um, you can just go download them on like a US government website, like a dot mill website. So I think that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, have you ever seen the clip of Trump talking about them? No, I didn't know that he had talked about them. It's pretty interesting. He's just like, you know what? Cue the clip. As we mentioned, George also asked President Trump about reports of UFO sightings. And the president, for the first time, spoke about being briefed on this subject. You and I, we know we disagree about that, but we have a whole day ahead to go on this. Before we go, one of the things you have as president is the access to all the information right. in the world, all the mysteries out there. And I was just struck in the last couple of weeks, we're reading more and more reports of Navy pilots seeing lots and lots of UFOs. Have you been briefed yeah, on that? What do you I make have, of it? I have. I, I think it's probably, uh, I want them to think whatever they think. They do say, I mean, I've, see, I've seen and I've read and I've heard, and I did have one very brief meeting on it, but people are saying they're seeing UFOs. Do I believe it? Not particularly. Do you think you'd know if there were evidence of extraterrestrials? Well, I think my great, our great pilots would know. Uh, and some of them really see things that are a little bit different than in the past. So we're going to see. But we'll watch it. You'll be the first to know. Basically, he's just like, I don't know what, but uh, maybe some of our pilots think so, but I don't know. And you're like, I don't. Did you hear this? And this just didn't register. <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah. if any if any president could a like have the audacity to just like let the UFO secret out the door. It's definitely Trump. If there's any president in history who has the audacity to kind of like not completely clock the fact that UFOs exist and that intelligence agencies are willing to, to admit it. It's, yeah. it's Trump. Well, I mean, so this is something we talked about before and I'm sure we'll talk more in depth on future episodes, but it's like, what are these things? Because, uh, they're well, that's the thing. It's like, what are they? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're UFOs. They're unidentified flying objects. Uh, the Navy actually calls them, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, which is yep. like what, UFO culture type people now call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thinking is that it's like highly advanced aircraft from some other human military somewhere where it's like, you know, Russia or China or some other country has somehow perfected, uh, you know, a new type of propulsion or like new cloaking abilities. And, you know, they're flying over the coast of California spying or, or doing something like this. But I mean, obviously like some people think that it's aliens. Uh, I don't, I don't know what they are. I don't really think that it's aliens. Um, but it's just like, I, like I have a tough time believing that because I, I like, I, I just don't see how, I mean, and other, like- other people think that it's the U S government flying, you know, top. I, well, that's the thing. If it's, if it's any government, aircraft. it's the U S government in the right. world. Even then I wouldn't 
Like I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I believe it's them either. Yeah. And it's like, so, I mean, the, the military obviously has some theories. Like there are a lot of files about this. There's the video. It's not like they just like film this video and like, oh, we don't know what it is. Like, we're not even going to take a guess. We're not even going to like do anything else. Like we know that there are classified documents that dig more into what these, uh, you know, aircraft are. And we know that like Harry Reid just said, there are more files. So I'd love to know. I'd love to know what they are. I don't know. I There's almost nothing I want more except for a vaccine to COVID-19. Other than that, it's I want to know more about <laughs> this. <laughs> like, I just want to know. Yeah. I believe. I believe. I believe too. Um, well, I think... Uh, Hopefully, yeah, I think that's that. I think that we'll hopefully have more UFO news in the next week or so. I mean, I I I hope we get Harry Reid. This news seems to uh, come in uh, in threes. So we had, you know, the publishing of the videos, Harry Reid's comments, and I don't know, maybe we'll have more uh, more follow up to come. Maybe the UFOs will give us a cure for this this plague, and that's how it ends. God, I hope so. That'd be a great intersection. Ugh, that would be such a beautiful moment. All right, bye-bye. Farewell. This week's episode was recorded by me, Ben Maku, produced by me, and voiced by me. It was edited by the great Cato Contreras. You'll be hearing from us next week, and everyone, keep washing your hands, and please stay safe and healthy. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, you good? Yep. (coughs) Oh, God, Ben. (coughs) (coughs) Wow, that's that's a good start. (coughs) That's my allergies, man. Uh Uh-huh. That's what they all say. Fuck you. You don't want to put that evil on me. (laughs) (laughs) Knocking on wood right now. Jesus.